This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh, you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. Welcome to episode 35 of Unsocial Spectators. We made it to 35! We're trucking, man. I see 36 in our near future. Yeah, maybe (laughs) next week. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I already have a stack pick for 1991. I'm ready. Oh, what is it? Nothing But Trouble, the movie that was inspired by Hellraiser. (laughs) <laughs> last boy scout and hunt for the bruce willis double feature oh okay guess guess who what i'm taking what shakes the clown i knew it i i said that to shelby i almost wrote it down and was gonna hold it up and go i know what he's gonna pick. oh yeah yeah like hold up their picks that'd be funny <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so uh uh, what did you uh, want to talk about for 1990 this week? I watched, continuing my Christian Slater run of films, uh, which was just Gleaming the Cube, uh-huh. <laughs> Pump Up the Volume, uh, written and directed by Alan Moyle, uh, about a guy who runs a pirate radio station out of his basement and um, is basically an early podcaster. I mean, that's kind of what that bit is. Yeah, great film. He inspired a lot of podcasters and a lot of radio people, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember that. that, That's the only way I could really talk to people and express myself and stuff. And plus, you know, Samantha Mathis gets topless in it, and it's hot. (laughs) There you go. I mean, I was just like... I was like, who is this hot goth chick? Yeah. And I was just totally digging her, man. I just... Uh, I was, uh, this was, this would be my seat, the end of my senior year and the beginning of, uh, college for me. What were you doing? 1990. Oh, that was the end of my, that was my senior year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so did you, were you into the music they played or was this a music or was this a movie that was a gateway to like the Pixies and some of the other bands that were in there? Um, I didn't really get into some of that stuff. I was a metalhead. Oh, okay. Uh, classic rock, classic metal, mainly metal. I mean, I was a big Beatles head. And also, uh, I listened to my father. He was into 30s jazz. Oh, wow. And big band. And I I grew up listening to a lot of that stuff, too. So that was kind of my musical influences. Oh. See, because I, I was like, we should almost open this episode with Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows, the way oh, he yeah. plays that as the intro to his show. Because yeah. I didn't really like the people I was around that I grew up with and even in high school were just very bland music-wise. Like, there was nobody going, hey, listen to this, except for rap. Like that was the one place like uh, I would have friends that would give me tapes and stuff and go, oh, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to Too Short. You got to listen to Two Live Crew. Well, I was really into classic rock. And uh, in high school, I got in uh, junior high, high school, I got into metal, you know. Yeah. Uh, And punk, too. You know, I was I was into 
Uh, I was into this uh, New Jersey band called Monkey Pup. How'd you find them? Um, I found I was driving to California, and I heard them heard this punk song on the radio. It was so hilarious. It was uh, called uh, Little Pigs. It was uh, before. Uh, uh, you know, green jelly or green jello or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I got into them and I, I bought all their albums, I, you know, and uh, that I saw them once live in, uh, uh, down in Deep Ellum. And I was, oh, wow. I was like maybe, there were maybe 10 people there that knew about them, you know. Damn. Uh, so I got to meet the band and everything. I just uh, real fun band, you know. But I was into Dead Kennedys and Dead Milkman and all that, all that Repo Man shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was another great one too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, as, as going into college is when I really got into just every kind of music. Yeah. Like this was this film was like one of those gateways to like all the different bands that had it concrete blonde and shit like that. And just uh, stuff that you weren't getting over the radio, because that was really the only way you were hearing music. And so you were kind of just getting what was spoon fed to you. Yeah. I was a metal head slash hippie. I was, in, I, <laughs> I, nice I was, combo. I was into the dead and I was into, you know, old, uh, Oh, old classic rock and all the hippie music and then metal, you know? So. Yeah. And see, I had a metal friend and he was really like, he would have the magazines and everything. Oh, so yeah. like he, inter he introduced me to Metallica. And so uh -huh. I built Billy Bolton. I will always thank you for the Metallica intro because that was something that we didn't even know how big it was going to get at the time. Uh, I saw Metallica open for Ozzy in the, uh, uh, I think it was Master Puppet Store. Oh, wow. That would have been right around this time. Yeah, no, that was 86. 86? Was yeah. that early? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, their first album, I think, came out in 83. Okay, yeah. I just remember this guy I used to party with. We would like just go to all the different parties in high school and get drunk as hell. Would uh, have these magazines with these bands in it that I'd never heard of, and then yeah. got tapes and stuff. Now, do you have, do you have a bunch of Kerrang magazines? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Kerrang was one of the big ones. Yeah, uh, the 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 movie though, like. I was like, how could you get all this? And like, the only way I ever like looked into anything was like ham radios. Like that uh -huh. was the only way you could broadcast back then. And this was even like, you know, like CB radios were only a thing like for like truck drivers. Like it was a big in the seventies, but essentially the, the cult following of people who had CB radios didn't last uh, into the night. Uh, me and my buddies used to have CBs in our car. We would That's how we would talk to each other when we'd drive around. Wow. How, how, how far of a range did you get, and how big was that antenna? It was big enough to go, you know, uh, 10, 15 miles, you know? Man, yeah, and as like 
in high school and shit. Yeah. Really, that's as far as you needed. Yeah. So when on the way to parties, we'd CB the. It was before cell phones, so uh, uh, some of us had handheld ones, you know, and some of us had uh, ones uh, in their car, you know. So it had like the base piece and then the mouthpiece, and then you typically had like at least a ten foot antenna off of your car or truck or whatever yeah. just for a range yeah you could have smaller ones you know they would uh, go a smaller range too yeah i just remember the the big ones because every now and again i'll see them on trucks and go does this guy have like a cb radio because that's the only reason i could see having an antenna that big oh yeah oh yeah uh, it's a different world now they're driving around with satellite internet connections Oh yeah, no shit, and and that's what's wild is like in the in the movie like there's a in uh in pump up the volume there's a guy and it's the dad from Teen Wolf, he's like the local politician there who's going to take care of oh yeah hard, hard on Harry <laughs> and he he put he has and so like later when he's like he's yeah, calling for help yeah, he has a car in his limo yeah he's a burg the uh, bugler from F Troop yeah. I see him at conventions uh, still. Or when well, he, he passed away. He, he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say like before. Well, when I used to go to cons, you know, before yeah. pre pre pandemic and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, that it was it was interesting to see the things that were in there because I was trying to relate them to like because the guy that wrote the the script and directed it is like our age, so he's like in his fifties, and he did. Uh, he also would do Empire Records after this. Oh, which yeah. Which I feel still kind of uh, holds up. Sure, sure. But but I guess he wrote this, like, even edgier than what came out. Like, he worked with a, a first-time producer. Oh, yeah, I'm and, sure, yeah. And, like, they wanted to make the kid who kills himself gay, and that was going to be a big plot line. They were like, well, we you know, we had to water it down and make it ambiguous and we weren't going to talk about that. But then they talk about, then there's a kid that calls in who talks about, you know, being gay. And I think for me, this is like the first time, like, uh, you know, Christian Slater's character's response is like real. It isn't like he isn't joking or goofing on the guy. Uh And that's what the kid's expecting. Like he treats him like a real human being which was so fucking rare in those movies back in the day because every every person who was gay was treated like a, or, a cartoon yeah, or the butt it, of a joke. It was a joke, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, and again, like another movie I don't think that will ever be remade because of the time period and the suicide talk. Look, they're remaking Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look, every kid in the world has the ability to broadcast, and what do they do? They do dances and TikTok shit, and you just go, I'm fucking old, man. I'm really just too old. <laughs> look, I'm an, I'm an old-time podcaster. I mean, I've been podcasting 13 years, you know? Man. So, uh, so, so what did you watch? Uh, I watched Jacob's Ladder. What nightmares did you get from it? <laughs> and, uh, look, I've been having nightmares from that movie for years, but <laughs> it was fun to see all the old nightmares, you know? Oh, uh, welcome back, friends. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, it played so often on HBO over and over again, you know? Um, yeah, I know there would be things that would 
click in my head when I would see scenes as I was flipping channels that I'd go, oh, that's Jacob Slatter. I got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I I was amazed by by the cast. I kept seeing people going, is that, you know what I mean? Who who all did you see? Uh, well, Tim Robbins and, yeah. and Danny Aiello. Okay, yeah. And Macaulay Culkin is uh, his son in the movie. Oh, shit. And, and Louis Black is his oh, doctor. You're frozen. Uh, Louis Black. Louis Black? Okay. He's uh, uh, his doctor. And I was like, who? You keep freezing on me. I was like, who is that? And uh, am I still frozen? No, you're done. It, oh. it like almost like freezes for like five seconds. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Ving Rhames. Oh my god! Yeah. Is he ever young? I think he was always just born old and bald and angry. Uh, speaking of bald and angry, Jason Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kyle got gas. From how uh, gas from Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah. I was looking. I went, is that holy shit? That's Kyle Gas. You know, <laughs> uh, it, fucking wild, man. It, it made only made like a million dollars. You know, so it wasn't a total bomb or anything. But you know. uh it's a fun movie. It'll freak you the fuck out, though. I was going to say, define fun for the the three people listening, because that is nightmare fuel for me. Yeah, it's uh, uh, religious, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it was fun to revisit it. I hadn't seen it since maybe then, you know. Yeah. Uh, I saw that one in the theater, and I, I remember so much of that, and that, and it just freaked me the fuck out. And anytime I saw Tim Robbins after that, I think it took uh, what's the baseball movie, uh, Bull Durham. That's oh, yeah. the one that kind of erased him. That's all I ever saw him in was like that nightmare movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's so good in the player, fucking great in the player, man. And and I think uh, I've seen that all the way through. Oh, it's so fucking good. The beginning of it, there's like a uh, ten minute shot. One camera doesn't stop. It's yeah, I've seen that. It goes from you know person to person. It's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, that was good. So, what else were you watching this week? Oh, I just watched uh, a lot of the same old crap. I just I did a lot of rewatches. I had a bad migraine this week, so oh. I like I, I rewatched uh, a bunch of Marvel stuff: Hawkeye, uh, uh, Moon Knight, Defenders, Captain America, Captain Marvel. Like I was watching them all in order until I got to Thor and I got really bored. But uh, but watching Iron Man two is different, and and it made me come up with a movie theory uh-huh. because. Elon Musk and Bill O'Reilly show up in in that movie, and and just the way they are now, I go, would Disney ever make a a, a clause in a film to have someone removed if they ever like 
like Bill O'Reilly has all those sexual assaults he paid off and sure. stuff. And like, if you turn out to be like a bad dude, like I know they were trying to remove the ex-president from Home Alone, but that's like a throwaway scene, you know? Yeah. And the, and, and the Bill O'Reilly and Elon Musk are throwaway scenes too. But uh, I always remember the movie Looker mm-hmm. with um, where it was like they took these women and they like did a 3D model of them and then would kill them. And then they would be like in commercials and TV forever and they would always be beautiful. And I'm like, we're only down to like five major studios making movie, making, distributing, doing the whole fucking thing. Sure. They could get to the point where they could have a, a movie and go, yeah, if you're going to be in this Disney movie. If you're ever bad, we could just CGI and replace you with someone else. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised, you know? Yeah. I mean, I read a thread this week about how, like, movie studios used to have, like, you know, you had people who did different parts of it. And, like, now you have, like, companies that make, sell, and stream their own stuff. So it's like they they have the full monopoly and there's like just five of them because, you know, everybody, it's like Netflix and Amazon owns everything and Disney owns everything. Look, look they made it illegal for uh, studios to own movie theaters and now they own the streaming services is back again. So, yeah. But that law was like settled on in like 1946. That's the thing is it was yeah. so old and now it doesn't, you know, relate to the streaming platforms and, and, Theaters are going out of business. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, what was it? Regal Theaters declared bankruptcy. Uh, I think Alamo uh, did a reorganization. Yeah, they reorged. Yeah. Um, uh, so I I watched this uh, movie from the eighties. Have you ever? Did you ever see Crimes of Passion? That name rings a bell. Who's in it? Um, Kathleen Turner. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, she's a sex worker and Anthony Perkins is a fucking freaky, Weirdo. freaky dude. He's a, <laughs> he's a pervert, uh, street preacher. It's a really, really weird film. Yeah. Um, Anthony Perkins always played the great weirdo. I mean, he got well. the psycho... <laughs> Yeah, image fo- always following it. Oh yeah, uh, I, I rewatched uh, Ghosts in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson. Way better than I thought. Oh yeah, I, I mean I loved I loved the uh, anime so much. Like I own two copies of it because they did a Mondo cover and a mm-hmm. steel book that I have, and that was one of the early films that fucking blew my mind. So when they said live action, I was like, eh. and then they. Uh, cast her and i was like i don't know i i i went in with really low expectations and yeah yeah it was pretty good i enjoyed it i saw a a david bowie movie oh the hunger the man who fell to earth Earth. so good so So fucking good like they that's the movie i remember they had uh the cube that plays all the music and it, and I was just like, boy, they were predicting shit early on and it, yeah. you could just like put it on this deal. And it was like taking the place of a record. Uh-huh. At the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty, pretty uh, interesting. And the fact that he had a company and he was trying to go to space, yeah. you know, and he, this, um, 
uh, millionaires trying to go to space. He predicted a lot of things in the future. Yeah. Well, wasn't he trying to get back to his family to save them, but he ended up just consumed by wealth and drugs? Well, and... Uh, maybe. Uh, and a lot of people theories about the movie. I watched all the Criterion uh, commentary. Uh, yeah. Theories were he just gone crazy, you know, and just. You know, because all of a sudden he shows up and has a passport. I mean, you know. Uh, but uh, I saw a drugstore cowboy for the first time. Oh, Matt Dillon and Diane Lane. I can't remember and, who else is it. No, it wasn't Diane Lane. No, she wasn't in the film. Hold on, you froze. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it wasn't Diane Lane. It wasn't? Oh, okay. No. Uh, but uh, I saw uh, a Black Snake Moan. Oh, Christina Ricci. Pretty Samuel good. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, pretty good film. I enjoyed that. And I saw this movie. For, uh... Oh. There it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I saw this movie from 66 called Planet of the Vampires. That I don't know. Yeah, this weird uh, Italian film uh, where they go to this planet and this uh, aliens uh, uh, get under the dead bodies and reanimate them. I mean, just weird shit, man. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got, I subscribed to NetflixDVD.com. You're getting DVDs? Yeah. Doing it old school. Yeah, there, there's some stuff uh, that this is probably the cheapest way to get movies, you know, that I want to see. So, yeah, we we looked that up. I was uh, one of the one of my guys I podcast with on the next uh, issue uh, podcast was on a show, and I was in chat talking to him, and I said, "I'm so old. Uh, I was a member of Netflix when they would send out VHS." And they were so young that it took them a second to go, I don't think that's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, uh, I tell people I used to have a laser disc player, and they're like, well, what's that? I'm like, what was a DVD this big? <laughs> it was an album of a movie. Yeah. But it was the movie. Yeah. I have, I have like all the diehards on Laserdisc. I have, uh, Planet of the Apes. Uh, the I have everything except Escape from Planet of the Apes on Laserdisc in a Japanese edition. Oh, so like each one came in a sleeve with like it's like I'd say custom artwork, but it's typically something just a clip from the film. That that's cool. Uh, so what else did you see? Uh, we've caught up on Stranger Things, and we're to the finale, and mm -hmm. every episode is like a movie, so it's really long. Yeah, uh, and the finale's yeah, the finale's two and a half hours. But I fucking love it, man. I oh, love okay. going back and just these kids uh, having adventures like the Goonies, having 
uh, superhero shit like the X-Men, having the soundtrack from the time, uh, having, you know, I love Jim Hopper and Joyce. I mean, I love the adults in it. They're fun. Like, there's not a part of that I don't enjoy. That's so, so like, anytime I'm watching something, I always wonder, is this the world I want to revisit every time I watch it? And I fucking love Stranger Things. Yeah, I watched it. I got halfway through season three and went, uh... Yeah, uh, the, that's my story, you know. So it's yeah, it's not for everyone, but yeah. I, I love it, and uh, and uh, I can't wait to finish it. Like I'm excited for Shelby to get home and us to block off that time to just sit there and take in the last episode. Uh, so I I rewatched The Natural. Robert May, Redford, maybe the best. Uh, Baseball movie, maybe the second best behind wow. Bang the Drum Softly. Uh, see, I love Major League just because I would go, I would turn to that one for the laughs. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a big baseball fan, so it, the history to it, the only thing I really love is the Battered Bastards of Baseball documentary on Netflix. Yeah. For yeah. me, that's like the best baseball documentary ever. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. So it was fun to rewatch that. What do you? What's your? What brings you back to that movie? Well, it was available at the library. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I was a big baseball fan at the time it came out, you know, and just yeah, uh, that era. Really fond of that era. I, I mean, I was pretty much a baseball historian for. I've read maybe forty baseball books. You know. Wow. I, I've read one, and it was Moneyball. Uh, I've had. Uh, I have card collections. I worked at baseball card shops for years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I started working for him and when I was twelve, and you know, yeah, I I got out of it. I don't watch any sports now. I just kind of burn myself out on it, you know. Yeah, all I do every week is look up uh, where my son uh, is coaching and who he's playing that for the week, so that I can see how the games are going. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, you know, that's why I rewatched it. Just a nostalgia. Uh, And Randy Newman's music is just really good in that film. So, Uh, I watched this film called Busting. Busting. It's uh, from 1973. It does not ring a bell. It has Robert Blake. Okay. And Ellie Gould, and there it's maybe the first buddy cop comedy I'd ever seen. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, the French a... the French Connection may have been the first buddy cop, but it wasn't a comedy. You know? Yeah. And these two cops, they're vice cops, and there's an amazing shootout scene in a grocery store. You know, you just froze. So I'm yeah, just, yeah, sorry. yeah. Uh, did I unfreeze? Yeah, yeah. There's a great, great uh, scene in a grocery store. Just 
kind of like uh, pretty amazing, but it was a good film. All right. And I have our Kyle moment of the show to update what Nicolas Cage was doing in 1990. Okay. Wild at Heart. Oh, yes. Well, you and I have both talked about this film. This was my first David Lynch film, and it fucking blew me away. Well, I, I'd seen Dune, but Dune isn't David Lynch. Wild at Heart is David Lynch. Yeah, Wild at Heart is on my Netflix queue. <laughs> it is fucking wild. And then when I got to go back and see Blue Velvet, that was the one I'm like, oh, man. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. So good. And then Nicolas Cage did a movie called Firebirds, where he was like a fighter pilot. Don't think I ever saw that. Yeah, yeah I didn't either. I was like, I don't remember this. And then I saw the poster, and I go, I kind of remember the poster. And I think it was still like people still chasing Top Gun. You know, they because like Iron Eagle came out. Sure. And there were just all these kind of like pro, <laughs> pro Air Force, pro military type movies that just showed all the action and not the real shit you have to do in the military. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I have Bruce Willis doing Die Hard 2 this year. He also did in the same year Look Who's Talking To <laughs> and Bonfire to the Vanities. Pretty uh, great book, first of all. Uh, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, not many other people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I had seen a documentary about it because they had cast Tom Hanks as kind of the bad guy, and that's kind of the worst for him because he was so likable at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I kind of enjoyed the movie, you know? Uh, the, uh, the book I read, uh, you know, and it's a great book. I think it's Tom Wolf. Yeah. You know, but good stuff. Uh, and then I made a list of all the movies I saw in the theater, but I do have a story. Okay. At the time, I wasn't really, like, dating or seeing chicks or anything, and a friend of mine had set me up with this girl, and it was one of those, it's a sure thing. Uh, kind of like, yeah. Was it a hooker? <laughs> no, he just insisted it was a sure thing. And oh, so, she's easy. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was what was insinuated. And so I was just like, uh, okay, sure. Like I'll, we'll go out. And I, I think I just talked to her on the phone once and said, you know, Hey, we'll go see a movie go to dinner and I probably picked the worst movie you could ever pick for a date, much less a first date. Uh, uh, the accused. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) you want to take another stab at it, but God damn, that's a good guess. (laughs) Okay. Fuck. (laughs) Um, no, I, we awakenings, with Robin oh, Williams boy. and Robert De Niro. <laughs> it was so fucking bad. Oh, my God. So we're in this movie about a guy who is like, they're like Robin Williams is no Patch Adams in this. He's, oh, just, no. he's just a doctor taking care of these people who are just like alive. You, you want to go see a comedy? It has Robert <laughs> Williams, Robin Williams in it. 
it was it was such a mood killer like i remember leaving and i thought she was gonna cry like it was just like you just have no confidence after that that you've just ruined entire night by taking uh, a girl to the worst fucking date movie you could ever take her to and then it was just like I'm just going to take you home. Yeah, you get in the car and there's a sad trombone on the radio. <laughs> no, the guy just sat up in the back seat and said, wah, wah. Uh-huh. <laughs> It was so bad. But for people who haven't seen Awakenings, it is about like almost like mentally comatose patients that yeah. can't even speak or do anything. And Robin Williams is overseeing them and tries like this trial drug or something on de niro and he's able it's kind of like he starts to come out of it and then you and then uh it starts to like wear off so like the whole movie is him getting better but really the end of the movie is he basically returns to the way he was at the beginning and it's just super sad depressing yeah yeah a real penny dropper I, I hear they're going to put that on the next uh, release of it. Awakenings, a real panty dropper. <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah, that was a tagline. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, so I want this morning. I watched this zombie movie, The Night uh, Eats the World. I wow. It was. That sounds familiar, but I can't. It was just interesting because uh, he stay he real he wakes up realizes there everyone's a zombie, and he stays in this big house through the whole movie. Well, yeah. Why would you leave? And <laughs> the one time uh, he runs into a, uh, somebody beside that's not a zombie, he shoots her. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Spoiler, sorry. (laughs) But, I mean, it was pretty good uh, watching him go through the fact that he's all by himself and, you know, he looks outside and there's still zombies and he has, like, this zombie pet behind this gate that he talks to. he doesn't talk back, but he's just like, so what's going on? Good morning. What's going on? It's kind of weird. He's got to have his Wilson. Yeah. 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 Cast away. Uh, uh, I, I did see the baby. I saw you tweet about that. I'm excited to hear your thoughts because this is a cult classic in our house. Bat shit. Mm-hmm. Plus, 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 uh, um, I will not order again. (laughs) Yeah, I had a hard time getting through it, man. The whole time I'm like, should I turn this off? Should I turn this off? You know, but I'm still waiting for you to watch uh, High uh, Society. Uh, But when you said the baby, it's up there with society about how fucked up it is. Yeah, fucked up film, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, for those who haven't seen it that want the the the, <laughs> the bitter truth about it. It's about these women who you find out at the end of the movie they <sighs> mentally handicap guys that fuck them, uh, so they're kept in like an infantile state. And do treated... they do they fuck them? 
that one girl got into the crib and they had a crib that was like man sized that she had put in a walk in door to get in to uh, have sex with that dude. That's I, the vibe I got from that. I scene. don't. I I know one time uh, the he started sucking on the babysitter's tit. Yeah. Yeah, but, there were there seemed to be this sexual energy going on about the, one of the women wanting huh. to fuck that uh, dude. That yeah, I do, I didn't get that at all from the film. Huh. Oh, go back and watch that scene where she gets no. into the crib with him. No. <laughs> I must have missed it. Yeah. Uh, well, I have I have a free recommendation that's on YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, one of my favorite channels is called Atrocity Guide. And have you ever heard the story of two South Korean filmmakers that were kidnapped and uh, taken to North Korea to make films for The Great Leader? No. This is a documentary about that story. Huh. It's a, it, was, it was a director and uh, a woman who would star in these films, but they were actually married and had been divorced. And he kidnapped both of them and brought them to North Korea and had them make films to celebrate North Korea. And Whoa. it's, yeah, it's batshit. It, it talks about their time there, uh, the movies they made, uh, and how they got out. The uh, Americans that had defected to there that were like soldiers uh, who became like, actors in their films like you know how like in the 80s and 90s pretty much every middle eastern person was cast as a bad guy oh yeah well these are the americans that were always cast as bad guys in north korean films so there's like these four guys that are always like in the same in these films over and over again as just the bad americans the evil americans wow wow but it's, it's called the kidnapped filmmakers of north korea but if you go to atrocity guide it's like the newest thing she's put up Huh, that's interesting. Uh, I watched uh, Mr. Mom. Oh, Michael Keaton, the great Terry Gar, who we don't see anymore, but she was oh, yeah. so fantastic. Yeah, yeah, she's really good in that. Martin Mull, Martin Mull. Just fantastic. But I hadn't seen that movie in years, you know. It was good to check it out again. And Jillian, I forgot about she's in it. She's the uh, neighborhood temptress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun film. But last night, I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So fucking good, man. Wow. I mean, the way they opened that film <laughs> with a close-up of her face, and it's Jessica Chastain in, in full makeup, and they just pulled back, sh- revealing her it's done so fucking well. Like you just forget about it the rest of the movie because you believe you're watching Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah, really good. Garfield is pretty amazing too. Yeah, it's Jim Baker, man. Just playing grab ass with the dudes around the set. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A really, really well acted, well written, and you know. I didn't know a lot about it. I knew some about it, but I wasn't into tabloid shit back then, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, well, here, uh, through some of my Agent Orange research, I've gone through, like, Ronald Reagan's presidential library of, like, notes and letters and stuff. Yeah. And there was a letter from Jim Baker 
asking for a basically they gave a, they wanted President Reagan to send a letter uh, to to another reverend, you know, uh, stating how what how did they put it that essentially, you know, back in the 30s, churches helped people in it more than the government. So really, the government should quit helping people and leave that to the churches to do. And it, there was a letter like in there that uh, it was like a first draft of what they were going to send this guy. Wow. Well, that's that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just, there's all kinds of weird shit in there. Yeah. They really uh, hijacked the Republican Party, man. Yeah. Um, I forget who, whose quote it is that talks about uh, the priests getting or the when religion got into the Republicans uh, because they believe it's God's way, they don't, they, there's no compromise with them. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, it was a good film. I recommend it. It's on Hulu, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's really good, man. Uh, so I watched the movie Pie. Oh, the Darren Aronofsky film? Yeah, the I think it's his first film. It was uh, pretty weird, but I had a good time with it. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's free on Tubi, so check it out over there. It's in black and white, and it, it has uh, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad that sits, he had a stroke, and he sits in his chair and rings the oh, bell. Oh, yeah, uh, Hector. yeah. I can't remember his fucking name. No, it doesn't matter. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's good in it too. But yeah, kind of an interesting film, you know. <laughs> I, I I made I made a list of the comic book movies that came out in nineteen ninety because it was really weird when I looked at the top ten and Dick Tracy was the tenth biggest film of nineteen ninety. And I always thought it was a bomb, but it, it apparently made some cash. I I went to see it with my father at the theater. I remember. Uh, it was a theater see. Oh, okay, that's cool. Cause I I don't remember. I know I saw it, but I don't remember any of it. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. But uh, it the same year, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, and it was the sixth biggest movie of the year. I went to see that with my dad in the theater too. <laughs> uh, Captain America. This was the third Marvel movie to come out after uh, Howard the Duck and the Punisher as they made this really terrible Captain America film. And then Sam Raimi, uh, who had just who just did Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, started his Darkman series. Yeah. Uh, and those are the four comic book movies that came out in 1990. Uh, and now we the, have it. Uh, there was a series of Darkman? Uh, yeah. There were more there, than one? Huh. Yeah, there are like three films. Oh, films. I, I didn't know. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. The first the first one I remember being fun and wild and yeah. weird. Uh, but I, I know that by the third one, it's just not. It's just really fucking bad. Yeah, not that good. Uh, so, uh, w- w- let's go ahead and talk about, I'm going to watch Shakes the Clown for 91 next week. It's, well, would... free, it's free on Amazon if you want to watch it. But it, I saw, yeah, I saw that it was there and somewhere else. Uh, I thought, I thought it, was it not free on Tubi? 
I don't. I didn't see it, but okay. I, I might be just. I'd be full of shit. But I swear, I thought I saw it was free. No, just Amazon. Thought, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna do Hudson Hawk. I love that. I love it because what it there is a great piece uh, written by Drew McWeeny about Hudson Hawk because Hudson Hawk is when Bruce Willis got to do what he wanted, and this is the result of that. Oh boy. No, Nobody told him no, so he got to make Hudson Hawk with him and Danny Aiello, and it's just bad shit. And it's fun bad shit, yeah. but I, that's the way I look at it now. And then uh, another movie I saw in the theater, The Last Boy Scout. I fucking love that movie. And a movie I've come to love, but I really hated when it came out, Nothing But Trouble. The Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, John Candy, Demi Moore film. It it was really they wanted a horror film like Dan, <laughs> like Dan Aykroyd was inspired by Hellraiser and went and wrote this movie, and then they cast Chevy Chase and and it was just like well it's not going to be comedy and he goes okay that's why I want it like this was supposed to be him stepping out of comedy and showing that he could do different stuff, but the film's just still fucking weird yeah and it's based on a real incident that Dan Aykroyd got into where he got a ticket in a small town had to spend like so many hours at this judge's house to get it cleared so that he could leave. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, everyone. We'll see you again next week. See ya. Laters. Later. All right. Later, man. Later, man.